Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So we're going to dive in. Uh, title of this message uh, this morning is X Marks the Spot. X Marks the Spot, our cornerstone, sort of our cornerstone scripture verse that we've been focusing on for the last few weeks is in Matthew chapter 6, um, and I lost my place. <laughs> Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Yeah, verse 9, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, pray then in this way, he said, our Father who art in heaven, or who is in heaven, holy or hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven those who have sinned against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. And I love this. For yours is the kingdom and yours is the power and yours is the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Uh, Has anyone ever experienced a prayer bounce? Yeah, I made that up last night, so I didn't figure it I figured you wouldn't know what it meant. Prayer bounce. You know, like when you're in a room and you're praying, and it seems like the prayers that you're praying are bouncing off the ceiling and hitting you in the face? Is that anybody else here? Has anyone ever walked through a season where you feel like you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and it seems like you're just wasting your breath? Is that anybody here? Where it's like, what's the use of this? I've prayed a hundred times. I've prayed a thousand times. It doesn't seem like my prayer is even being answered or even admonished. It's like God does not even care. Can someone get, can I get a witness in this house? Sometimes I, I've gotten so frustrated I just start praying outside. It's a higher ceiling, you know. It's like, all right, God, I got you. Watch this. <laughs> And then my neighbors think I'm weird. But anyway, you know, what are you going to do? You've prayed all the prayers. You've cried all the tears. You've said all the things. But the prayer hasn't been answered. And then you come to church and the pastor in ripped jeans and boots tells you that God's a God of answered prayer. But you're sitting there saying, nah, that hasn't been my experience. I mean, is this tension that we can talk about? Sometimes we don't talk about the tension of Christianity. We talk about the blessings, we talk about the favor, we talk about the affirmations, we talk about the, the things that God wants to do, what the word says, but we don't talk about the tension. Can we talk about the tension for a second? How you can pray for something for years, decades, and still not see the fruit of your prayers answered, but then still have to declare somehow that God is good? Are you with me? Oh, I'm getting all up in your stuff this morning. Is it just me? Can we be honest in church? I mean, if we're not going to be honest here, where are we going to be honest? I mean, God, why aren't you answering my prayer? You're answering somebody else's prayer. Why aren't you answering my prayer? And so we prayed all the prayers, but it seems like our prayer isn't answered. It isn't even admonished. It's ignored. It seems like God doesn't care. And of course, we always offer our own interpretations for the unanswered prayers in our life. It must be my sin must be my issue. I must not be favored or loved. 
sometimes it's subconscious. It's not something that we say, but something we just think about like, hey, I'm not as blessed as Pastor Yolanda. I don't have the same looks as Pastor Gwynmar. I haven't been in ministry. I'm not a pastor. Maybe God only answers pastor's prayers. They need to go to confession. I need to go to confession because they have, they have a higher ability to talk to God than I do, right? You know, any seasoned, mature believer will tell you, will tell you that prayer is the vitality of the Christian walk. You cannot live without prayer. In fact, in fact Dr. Uh, Martin Luther King said that to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. And so if you're going to call yourself a Christian or a Christ-like-in, you're going to have to understand the power of prayer and walking in prayer, right? Some of the greatest men of God in history have lots to say about prayer because they know that nothing significant in earth happens without prayer. God said, if my people who are called by my name who will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear, then I will heal. Then I will hear, then I will heal. And so there's a formula for prayer. There's a process for prayer that involves not just us saying, God, help me, God, help me, that there's some things that God wants to show us about prayer. And this is what this message is about. X marks the spot is about you living a life of answered prayer. Because that's the will of God. The will of God for your life, and let me cut through the noise and cut through the lies. The will of God for your life is that you walk in answered prayer. Are you with me? Someone needs to be excited about that. Don't encounter any spiritual warfare. Start praying. You don't understand why people do crazy things in church? It's because you don't know what spiritual warfare is. Because you've never engaged. And then you'll understand why people pray in tongues. And you'll understand why people wave flags. And you'll understand why people get on their face because they're in a battle that you can't see because you never entered it because you don't pray. I learned how to pray at prayer meetings. You know, they don't, there's no manual for prayer. I mean, there's some, but like I, I learned to pray at prayer meetings next to people who prayed. <sighs> you want to learn how to pray? Go to the prayer meeting. It's the prayer meeting. Get next to someone who's got joy, who's got power, who's been saved for two decades, and listen to them pray. <laughs> you want to see some power in your life? I've learned to pray at prayer meetings. Nobody's born a good prayer, right? It just like you, It's something that you have to develop. You have to work out your own cadence with the Lord and develop a prayer life. You know, I think it's, it's interesting that even Jesus had to teach his disciples how to pray, right? And then when he needed it the most, when it was the most crucial, they were sleeping on the job, <laughs> right? <laughs> he had to show them how to pray, right? <laughs> I love this. Jesus was and is a prayer warrior. Jesus would, would leave disciples, leave moments of, of, of great significance and leave moments where he saw God move and he would get away from the praises of people and seek the face of his Father. 
He was a prayer warrior. In fact, his prayer at night set the tone for his ministry during the day. And he's a prayer warrior right now. Because the, G, the, the Jesus who died for you, who also rose for you, also, the Bible tells us, is right now in this very moment praying for you. It says, it says that he daily makes intercession for us. Isn't that amazing? Not only did I die for you, not only did I rise for you, but I'm also praying for you. Man, that's encouraging. That it doesn't matter what I go through in life, it doesn't matter what people say about me, throw at me, call me, accuse me of, Jesus is praying for me. They might be right. It doesn't matter. Jesus is praying for me still. Are you with me? I sprayed the first row. I'm sorry. He's not just sitting in heaven waiting to judge the world. He's moving. He's praying. He's believing. He's interceding. He's planning. He's strategizing. He is in heaven working on our behalf. And so, Yet, this calling, this invitation to develop a prayer life with God remains a lot of times unanswered and unprioritized. It's because the last thing the enemy of your soul wants is you praying. Prayer changes things. Listen, prayer changes you. Sometimes if prayer doesn't accomplish anything else, at least it changes your attitude. And someone said, prayer changes you. Right? It, it, it aligns our hearts with his. Prayer blesses God. How many, how many parents here don't like to have great conversations with their kids? It alters, prayer alters realities. It alters realities. Prayer doesn't submit to the reality. Prayer isn't just there to make you feel better about the reality. Prayer is there for you to call heaven to earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done right now in my life as it is in heaven. Are you with me? Prayer alters your reality. It displaces the devil. It brings unity. It knits hearts together. It brings heaven to earth. And newsflash, that is our job, to bring heaven to earth, to see the will of heaven unfold in our everyday life. That is the call of prayer. That is the call of prayer. That is what we're called to. That is what God wants to do in your life. And unanswered prayer is not going to hold us back. Are you with me? We're going somewhere. Some of you are like, he's yelling too much. Get used to it. I'm convinced that your worship may irritate the devil, and it may confuse the devil, but your prayer scares the devil. I'm going to say that again on this side. I like this side. Your worship confuses the devil, but your prayer scares the devil. Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead also resides in you. And so the prayer of a child who has been made right with his father is a dangerous prayer indeed. Someone better get excited. Someone's like, where's lunch? This is it. (laughs) Are you with me? So why aren't we doing it? If prayer is so powerful, It's so effective, and it alters realities, and the Word tells us it brings heaven to earth. Why are we not doing it? And I bet if I were to ask every single person in this place, including myself, how's your prayer life, everybody would say, it could be better. 
right? Remember, we, no, we were doing an honesty disclosure. Remember that? We said we're going to be honest today. How's your prayer life? Eh, it's, a, it's good. It's good. You know, I pray a couple times a week, month, last year. You know, like, why are we doing it? I've heard it said, and it's true, if you're not praying, you're straying. So why do Christians stop praying? Well, I have a couple reasons. Are you with it? Is this okay? So I think some don't see the value in it. Right? And so we become overconfident in our abilities and unconvicted in God's desire to be in the details. Right? And so we don't pray. And a lot of times we develop what I like to call self-sufficiency disease. I used to know a guy who says, well, I don't want to bother God. I, he knows he doesn't have to bother me with the, with the stuff. And so, I, you know, with the big stuff, I come to him. But I don't want to, I don't want, he, he doesn't have to worry about me. He has enough to worry about. God is big enough to worry about everybody. Stop it. That's false humility, right? I mean, do you really want to develop a life pattern that isn't marked by prayer? Do you really want to make decisions that haven't been bathed in prayer, right? Do you really want to live a prayer, live a life where prayer is not needed, I don't know about you, but I want to live beyond my capacity. I don't want to live in my ability. I want to live in his supernatural ability. I want to live a life that only prayer can access, that only prayer can walk in. I don't want to live an average life. I don't want to have a good 401k, a nice job, and a picket fence. I don't want that stuff. I want God. I want the miraculous uh, uh, mode of heaven walking through my life. I want to be able to lay my hands on someone who's sick and see them recover because that's the will of heaven. That stuff's not just for the Old Testament. Why do we live like that? stuff doesn't happen anymore because if we're not praying we're straying or we're negotiating with the devil for a weaker life then the enemy is always willing to trade comfort for power he's always willing to trade your comfort for your power don't pray this today, Pastor Steve. I'm going to give you a raise. You're not going to want to. No, you know what? Don't go to church because I'm going to give you a, a, a job that pays better on Sunday. Are you with me? So some don't see the value in it. Some don't make time for it. I'm too busy. I should say many. Don't make time for it. We start saying, I'm just be honest, we have to start saying the words, I don't have time for something. We need to start saying, I'm actually, that's not a priority to me. And then see how it feels. I don't have time for that. You make times for things. You can make time for something. You make time for the things that you enjoy. So rather than saying, I'm not making time for this, say, this is not a priority to me, and then see how it feels. Does that feel right? Does that feel right? I don't know if that feels right. But I, I think there's another reason why we don't pray. See, I think a lot of us, we make time to pray. And we believe in prayer. And we see the value in prayer. But for a lot of us, we haven't seen the results we desire. And so we become discouraged. And so it says in Isaiah 56, verse 7, it says, These will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offering and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house. Shall be called a house of prayer for all people. My house shall be called a house of prayer 
of prayer for all people. Now, certainly in the scripture verse, he's referring to his house, right, like houses of worship. Certainly he is, but last time I checked, the veil has been torn, and that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, and that know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so the other house of prayer that Jesus is really referring to is this house of prayer. Is this house of prayer. This is the house that he's actually most concerned about. The prayers that are being offered right here. Let me ask you a question. Can you be accused of being a house of prayer? Does that stick? Because I'll be honest with you, a lot of times I'm just a house of anxiety. I'm a house of criticism. I'm a house of pride. I'm a house of negativity. I'm a house of religious obligation, but I'm not a house of prayer. But God's will for my life, he said, man, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that you have, that you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, for you are God's. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. What comes out of you is him. He, cho- he chooses to reside inside of you. You are a holy people. You have divinity living inside of you. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that he sets eternity in the heart of man, that you are walking vessels, representations of heaven. Are you with me? I hope you're getting convicted in your prayer life. How's your house doing? How's your house doing? See, we we must be a praying, interceding, and persevering people. We must be a praying, interceding, and persevering people. I love what Pastor Wimar said last week. I don't want to butcher it, butcher it. He said, first, who was the first one before intervene? First, identify, intervene, and then intercede. Or there's, yeah, identify, intercede. Yeah, pray before action. Identify, intercede, and then intervene. Identify, intercede, and then intervene. We need to be a praying people. We must be praying and seeking God for our families, our churches, our communities, and we must be standing in the gap for the lost. If not, what are we doing? Intercessory prayer isn't just a ministry of the church. It is the ministry of the church. It is the ministry of church. It is not the preaching. It is not the worship. It is not the kids' ministry. It's not the outreach ministry. All of those things are vain if they're not birthed and bathed in prayer. They have no power. They're vain if they're not birthed and they're not birthed in prayer, but yet intercessory ministry is the one that everybody doesn't want to be involved in. The prayer meeting is the least attended meeting in the church, and that's why the church as a whole has no power. And please, please do not interpret this as, wow, man, he's so self-righteous. I stink at this. The Lord has been challenging me on my prayer life challenging me on, on how I live my life. And I am inter- I'm in the process right now where I am interceding for my, I'm inter- interceding, interceding for my kids' kids. I'm interceding for my sisters, for my, my brothers, my sisters-in-law, my brother, my nephews. I am praying, and the Lord has challenged me that if I'm not praying, what am I doing? There aren't some people who are called to prayer and some people who aren't. We're all called to pray. Oh, man. Lord, help us. Please do not underestimate the capacity of a big God who loves to give to his kids. Ask and you shall, I love how Jesus just kept it so simple. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. 
knock in the door. He didn't say pray in tongues 65 times, say seven Hail Marys, worship just the right way at a 90-degree angle with your arms out, and then I'll answer your prayer. He didn't make it complicated. He just said ask. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. God is a good God. He knows how to give good gifts to his children. He wants to bless us. He wants to hear from us. And he, it is his good pleasure to answer his kids' requests. But I think we have to identify that sometimes prayer has adversaries. Are you with me? I mean, what's not, what's not just, oh, go home and pray. Case closed. Good message. Yeah, okay. And then all hell breaks loose when you try to pray. Because prayer your prayer life has some adversaries. Are you with me? The first one, are you ready for this one? This one's so good. You ready? You ready? You ready? You. You are your biggest enemy. Your flesh does not, okay, listen. Your flesh does not want to pray. Case closed. There will never be a good time for you to pray. Case closed, right? The Bible says that the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh so that we can't do the things that we want to do. There is a battle going inside of you and it's never going to be a good time to pray. You're not going to feel like it, right? Your flesh does not want you to pray. And so that's the biggest enemy and I think we have to learn to press through our flesh and live in the spirit so we can pray. And I'll tell you this, the more you pray, the easier it gets, because you're staying in the spirit. You don't even dip in the flesh. You don't even have to get out of the flesh because you're staying in the spirit. And then instantly, you know, people just pray about everything. It's kind of annoying, right? Like, oh, I don't know. You want to have steak or pizza? Let's pray. What? That's crazy. I used to have a friend, Kofi, uh, and he's like, it didn't matter what we were doing. Man, P, I got to see what the father says, P. I got to see what the father. I'm like, bro, we're going to lunch. You don't have, like, like sushi is like, what do you want to know if the sushi's contaminated before you get there? Like, you don't, like, dude, we're going oh, to, P, I just need to know what the father says. Like, no, the father says we're going to lunch. Like, let's just go. Like, but like, like people who pray all the time, they pray about everything. And that's why they have so much peace and joy. We're making fun of them, but they don't even care because they're in the spirit. They're like, he's a holy roller. He's a Bible thumper. He's crazy. He's so spiritual. And they're like, eh, whatever. <laughs> God's good. Like, they don't care. It's amazing how when you get closer to God, how less you care about what people think about you. Isn't that God's intent for you? He's like, wait a second, let me just lift you above the people who don't pray, the people who don't care about me, the people who are full of criticism. Let me just lift you up to where I am, higher above that, so then you could just be chilling where I am and not worry about what anybody thinks about you. But see, if you're more worried about the praises of man than obedience to God, then you'll always be fearful of people. That's not in my notes. Your flesh. Number two, distractions. Watch what happens in your house when you set your face to pray. Watch who starts calling you who never called you before. Right? Watch your kids bust in your room and start yelling and screaming and fighting and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Watch your spouse pick a fight with you when you decide to pray. Watch. Watch, watch what becomes so important, the cares of the world, the busyness. You're going to get some of your best business when you start praying. And you're going to say, the business is a blessing. No, actually some blessings that keep you out of prayer and out of priority are not blessings, they're curses. I tell people all the time, I don't work for my job, my job works for me. Because it's a priority for me to be in line with my father and his will for my life, and money is not going to take me away from that. Are you with me? Years ago, 
uh, Pastor John in Connecticut preached this message called Conspiracy of Distractions, and he talked about however, when, whenever you want to press into God, how like all of a sudden all these distractions start coming, and they're designed to keep you out of your prayer closet. Distractions. All hell breaks loose. Phone rings. Dog goes nuts. I'm only serious. So your flesh, distractions, is our adversary. And the last one, discouragement. See, this is the biggest. We can learn how to submit our flesh and we can learn how to manage distractions, but if you're going to be succeed, successful in, have, in developing a powerful prayer life, you're going to have to make peace with unanswered and ungranted prayers. You're going to have to make peace with unanswered and ungranted prayers. You know, Jesus walked in ungrant, ungranted prayer. He taught his disciples how to pray, and it's amazing. He said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he found himself in the Garden of Gethsemane praying those exact words to his father with to no answer. He's saying, Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to the cross. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. See, sometimes God doesn't say anything because what he already said is sufficient enough. Like, I know I've learned that God doesn't like to repeat himself. Like, he's a God that doesn't change his mind. Right? Are you with me? And so most of us have been praying for things that are good. And they seem like necessities, but those prayers remain unanswered. We stay sick. That family member remains unsaved. The divorce still happens. The change hasn't come. The finances haven't improved. The situation is getting worse, and we have to reconcile our belief and what the Word says with what our experience is showing us in the natural. And we have to decide, are we going to keep praying and believing, or are we going to give up and stop praying? And see, that's where so many of us get tripped up, is that we're praying, but we don't see God move, and so we stop moving. We dig our heels in and we're, I'm not moving until I get this prayer answered. I get this prayer answered. Are you with me? Does your faith stand up and does your thankfulness wane when the longings of your heart seem to fall on deaf ears? See, there's a few things that factor into our prayer life. The first is our humanity, right? And so we bring our moods to prayer sometimes. Are you with me? Anyone just have a bad mood? You're praying. Like, you're just in a bad mood. Right? We bring our mood, our exhaustion, our religion, our stuff. We view it as a chore rather than communion. Often our desires, because we're human, they're opposed to God's will for our life. Or we presume that because we want something, he also wants something for us. Right? There are prayers that you're praying right now that God is protecting you from. There are prayers that you're praying right now that God's like, no. I remember when I got saved, I wanted so bad to get, to get, to get together with my ex-girlfriend. And I was praying, and I was, every day I was praying, and I was praying, I was praying. She was no good, man. But I was praying like, oh, Lord, I just, I know her heart's going to turn to Jesus. I know she's going to fall in love with you. I know, I know, I, I knew all these things. And God's like, nope. Nope. And so eventually I had to make peace with the fact that that wasn't going to happen. And thank God I did because six years later I married the woman of my dreams who I love more now than I've ever loved before. 
See, we've got to be willing to submit that maybe, just possibly, God loves us and knows what's better for us than us. Are you with me? Here's the second thing is that only God has full context. You see what you're going through today. He sees what's going on generations from now. He sees the kids that you're going to bear. He sees what they're going to do. He sees the kind of parent that you need to be to help propel them to where they're going. God sees in full context, and sometimes we're praying, and we're praying only in our, only in our context, and we have no concept of what God wants to do long term. God has full context. We know what we know, but he knows all. The Bible says we know in part, but we prof- and we prophesy in part. But he knows everything, right? He knows everything. He sees the end from the beginning, and he's not answering your prayer today because maybe he's setting you up for a bigger blessing tomorrow. Maybe the prayer that you're not, he's not answering today is because you're not going to be ready until tomorrow. There are prayers that you will pray in one season that God will not answer until another season. And you're going to be in one season and you're going to be praying. And why isn't God answering this prayer? Why isn't God answering this prayer? Why isn't God answering this prayer? And he never intended to answer the prayer now. The prayer was for five years from now when you're more mature, when you've been better resourced, when you're more prepared, and when it's going to be bigger and better than you could ever have imagined, but you waited on God. But if you stay stuck here, not moving, not praying, but not believing, just you'll never get to that season of answered prayer. Are you with me? Are you with me? Come with me. Come with me. Say hi to Chad. He's, hi, say hi to Chad. Chad is super tall. Are you with me? Listen to me. We're going to have fun. You know, when I originally planned this, I didn't expect to have someone that was so tall. Like, you're taller than Joaquim, I think, right? Hold this for a second. Okay, and so Chad is walking. He's walking with God, right? And he's giving me prayer requests. Give me this small ones. And he's giving, and God is God is hearing his prayers. And he's okay. Stop right here. And he's receiving these prayers from us. God is receiving every prayer that you pray, but some of them he is throwing away, and some of them he is reserving for later. Some of them he's answering now, but the bigger ones. The bigger ones, he's saving for later. See, there's a third thing, is that Bible says that, he, that he, it is he who is working in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Are you with me? And so that's um, Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So there are prayers that you are praying right now that are in line with his perfect and pleasing will for your life. And you're frustrated because he's not answering those prayers, but you haven't yet gotten to the season of answered prayer. And so you're praying those prayers. No, but the small ones. He's praying the prayers. He's praying the prayers. He's praying them. I'm receiving them. I'm receiving them. And I'm putting them up here, and I'm waiting for later. Now back up for a second. Back up for a second. The key is that when we're praying, we have to release the prayer. We have to release the prayer. Grab that one. Take this from me. Thanks. He's, he's really good, isn't he? We have to release the prayer. Pastor G talked about this last week. To release a prayer means that I have, it doesn't mean that I've stopped praying. It means that I have given over the outcome to God. I have released the outcome to God. Releasing a prayer is so important because not only does it empower God to move, but it also relieves you of the burden. But you cannot release a prayer to God unless you have faith and trust that he is for you. 
Faith and trust are the power to release prayers. But what happens if you don't release the prayer? And see, this is what somebody, now walk with me. This is what so many people do is that they don't release their prayer in faith and trust, and so they retain their prayer in fear and worry. And they're praying words. Lord, I pray you would help me, God. I pray that you would just move, Lord. I pray you I just help you help me. Give me that. I just need help, Lord. All the things that we say. And God's not moving because all he hears is worry. God is more not concerned with the words that you pray. He's concerned with the spirit behind the words that you pray. Are you with me? And so if you don't release the prayer in faith and trust, you will retain it in fear and worry. And then this is what happens. This is what happens, is that the prayer remains unanswered. And you are frustrated that it remains unanswered. And so you decide that you're going to become the answer to your own prayer. Enter bad relationship, enter codependency, enter wrong bad, bad business move, enter bad relationship, enter all the negative things, the self-sabotaging things that we do to ourselves because we did not develop faith and trust in a father who wants to move on our behalf. Sometimes the best thing that you can do is wait. Watch him pray, Jesus said, lest you fall into temptation. Temptation to what? Temptation to take matters into your own hands. Are you with me? I'm not done with you yet. <laughs> Are you with me? Is this good? To release means I've handed over the outcome to him. It doesn't mean I'm giving up. It means I'm trusting up. It doesn't mean I'm giving up. It means I'm trusting up. Releasing your prayers allows God to be God, and it allows you to be you. Some of you can't be the wonderful people that you are because you're in bondage over the prayer that God's not answering. And God is just like, hey, give it up. Give it to me. I know. I know. I know. Trust me. Give it to me. Trust me. Give it to me. Trust me. Give it to me. See, there is a season of your life where all you will do is pray. And then there's a season of your life where you will walk in the fulfillment of prayers. I'm, I'm seeing God do things today that I prayed for 14 years ago. I'm seeing God bring relationships into my life that I prayed for, specific relationships that I asked God for 14 years ago. You see, God is bringing to a season where the maturity in your, that your maturity and your faithfulness have reached a point. Hang on. savage where your faithfulness and your maturity have reached a point where you're ready to handle the blessing that he wants to pour out on your life and so i call this message x marks the spot because x represents the place where your obedience intersects with his faithfulness and so there's a season of your life. And I'm not saying God's not going to answer prayers. Man, that's a sad X, but it's going to work. I'm not saying that God's not going to answer prayers. He's going to answer prayers. But here's the thing. When you continue to pray, and you continue to move, and you continue to serve, and you continue to believe, you eventually begin to walk into a life of continual answered prayer. 
You're getting answers from prayer two years ago. You're getting answers from prayers that you prayed 10, 10 years ago. You're getting answers that you pray because sometimes God answers a prayer just like that, right? You don't know when God's going to answer a prayer, but the goal is that you walk and answer prayer. And so you're walking and you're believing and you're moving forward and you're giving up the prayers and God is receiving the prayers. And then you get to the spot where X marks the spot where your obedience matches his faithfulness. Turn around, please. Where your obedience matches his faithfulness and the bowls of prayer are tipped over your life and you walk in answered prayer. You walk in the fulfillment of what God's called to your life. It seems like God, you're like, oh my God, God is so good. He's done so many things for me. He was good all along because the moment that you prayed, he had determined a plan to answer your prayer. You could say, give him some, give him some hand clap. Come on. We got to keep moving. We got to keep serving. We've got to keep releasing the prayers in our heart. Don't let an unanswered prayer hold you hostage. Believe in the Father who knows better than you. Are you with me? And you will walk an answered prayer. You will walk an answered prayer. Young people, please let God choose your mate. Let God choose your mate. You will jack it up yourself. You could laugh. I'm not laughing because I've experienced it. And people close to me are experiencing it. Divorce should not happen in the church. But it happens when we become the answers to our own prayers. Are you with me? We need to be a praying church. A believing church. Trusting in the faithfulness of God over our life. Come on, stand with me. We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.